1: turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guests today are Pasha, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name, (laughs) and Ben Rayani. (laughs) These guys are aesthetic dentists in Los Angeles, and they work at APA Aesthetics, a premier aesthetics dental studio. But that's not the whole story. It's a long story, we're gonna talk about it. So welcome to the show, guys. Thank you,
2: thanks for having us. us.
1: All right, Pasha, how do you pronounce your last name? Hakeem Zadeh. Yeah, would have never got that in a million years. Never got that in a million years. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys are a part of the APA Aesthetics LA office. And could tell me a little bit about Appa Aesthetics, and then we're going to kind of dive into your entire world. We're going
2: to let Ben kick this off for us.
0: <laughs> well, Appa Aesthetic is actually an offshoot of uh, Dr. Michael Appa's office in New York. He is a very well-known aesthetic dentist. He's a super talented guy. Very. He has also an, has an office in Dubai. And um, us growing up, we had always uh, admired what he and Dr. Rosenthal were doing. So at one point, we also had a cosmetic dental office. And we realized that we, you know, we really appreciated what he had grown. And we met him in New York a few years back, and told him that if he was ever interested in uh, opening something in LA, we would be interested in joining him. And a couple of years later, he reached out, and the rest is history. And we built something that we think is pretty special, in which we're solely focused on cosmetic dentistry, and we have a full in-house lab with super talented ceramics where we're able to control all the aspects of what we do. And uh, overall, just it's, we've been open for two and a half years, we and we couldn't be happier.
1: Now that office is in Beverly Hills, correct? But then you have nine other practices in the greater Los Angeles area, correct?
0: That's right. Very different business
1: models. And that is a more general dentistry, correct? That's it. Absolutely. Bread and butter dentistry. Okay. So you are you have two different models here going after two different clientele. So that's really, I think, brilliant for you guys now. But let's, let's rewind for a second and tell everyone a little bit about your background because it's very unique. Where are you from? Where were you born? Where have you lived? Pasha, go ahead. Um,
2: So yeah, I'll start with me. I was born in the United States, but had moved back to Iran and pretty much spent my uh, middle school, um, some high school in Iran, and I moved back to the States. Uh, Ben was born in Iran, but moved here at an early age. And uh, I think the most interesting part about this is we met the first day of dental school during lunch, and we became friends. And here we are 12 years later. 10 locations. uh, I guess let's call it a DSO management company and more to come.
1: Yeah, it's super fascinating. And of course, we could probably spend an hour talking about that. And, you know, your view of dentistry, your perspective on the world, everything is probably so much more rounded than someone like me who's lived in the US my entire life. Talk a little bit about the dynamic you have between Nine general dentistry practices, one high end aesthetic practice, and how that whole situation works. Well, when
0: you have one practice, it's much easier to control every aspect of what's happening in that practice. It's you, you know, about every single patient coming and going, you know, exactly how every interaction goes, and you're able to control everything. I'm not saying that that doesn't have its own problems, it does, but then when you have nine practices, you have to be a little bit more tolerant of inefficiencies but at the same time you have to have better systems in place a lot of great systems in place and we're lucky enough where we have Pasha's brother who started with us 10 years 12 years ago now when we opened up our first practice which was like a little three-op office in bell gardens which is uh, not a very high-end place and it was the three of us me and Pasha, were working seven days a week in different locations. And he was managing that practice without any dental experience at all. He was 20 years old at the time. And over the last 10 years, he's built his repertoire in which uh, once we opened up the app aesthetic, we kind of just gave the reins to him in a a way that like he became the CEO and which he makes most of the decisions. He consults with us, but he's running it. And without him, you know, at the end of the day, it's the people, right? And without him, we couldn't have done all any of this.
1: Well, I was talking offline beforehand how, in my experience working with dentists, you really have two different dentists. You have the dentist who owns a job, which is fine, but you do have a ceiling in your income when you do that. Versus the business owner who happens to be a dentist with ten practices. Obviously, you fall in the business owner category, and you've done a great job delegating where you have nine general dentistry practices or locations and you have a CEO who heads it all up. Now, so you spend most of your time practicing in the aesthetic office. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. For our listeners who may not know, who might be new to dentistry or in dental school or and not that well-versed, explain in layman's terms what aesthetic dentistry is versus other types of dentistry. You know, I
2: think, you know, there's this terminology is at the end of the day, aesthetic dentistry to me means comprehensive dentistry with an element of art and beauty into it. So um, our clients are coming in, not because they're looking for a dentist or they have a cavity. They're unhappy with their smile. They're unhappy with the shape of their teeth. And we use function as our base, but we kind of design everything around aesthetics. So does this look good on you? Color, shape, uh, orientation. So we're able to with Technology, scanning porcelain veneers, handmade, um, control a lot of these little details that creates a beautiful smile for someone that is looking for one. So it's it's a very intimate relationship, one-on-one. Patients typically know what they want and they're looking for some sort of enhancement. So we need to make sure we A understand what that means. And then we have this great team around us that allows us to kind of get a little bit more creative and you know like like i said uh our our ceramics our in-house lab really dictates what we could deliver for our patients which is natural undetectable but still beautiful smiles
1: and it really, so that's kind of what we detect and it really couldn't be any more different than general dentistry you are incredibly high-end low volume long procedures versus you know i mean cavities yeah. and cleanings, yeah. you know, and a, a probably more profitable, obviously, as well, but two different business models, but they're both fantastic. They both, and they complement each other very, very well. So let's talk about business here. Um You know, you are business owners who happen to be dentists, whether you, and I think you recognize that, but that's how I like to describe it, describe it, I like to say that cash flow is king. I say it all the time. Cash flow is king. They don't teach you that in dental school. There's a lot of things they don't teach you about business in dental school. And I've I've come across a lot of dentists who who want to sell just because they hate managing people. And it's it's really unfortunate when you hear that. Talk a little bit about as dentists who own ten practice or ten locations rather. Talk about the importance of cash flow from your perspective. I'm sure there have been days where it was a little tight. Oh
2: man, we deal with that even now, right? Because, like you said, cash flow is something um, that as as bigger you are, there are more bills to pay. There are more people to uh, take care of within your own team. There's more vendors, so we are very fortunate that we have people on our team who allows us to a you know if, if you heard the cycle, uh, I mean the term revenue cycle management. Uh, in the beginning, it's just like okay, well, I'm billing and I'm collecting, but Every bucket is important and the timing of that rotation is super important when it comes to cash flow. So we gotta make sure that we're always looking ahead and understanding what's coming in and what's supposed to go out and scheduling all this. And you know, so we don't just kind of get bottlenecked right in the beginning of the month. So we, we work behind the scene a lot with a lot of our vendors and people to make sure we could manage this cash flow situation.
1: Now is cash flow uniquely different in the aesthetics location versus the general dentistry location and how you manage it being yeah, like one yeah, one's I mean, volume and one's not if you will?
2: Yeah, you know, one is on our let's call it a group practice DSO part, we are still relying on insurance. They have their own revenue cycle management, so God knows when we'll get paid and uh, you know, there's there's just different ways of income coming into the practice and how it's going out on the aesthetic side. There are larger sums that comes into your account, but the cost of running a high end practice is it's not traditional. You, you can't find any consultant that comes in and be like, well, you need to keep it under 30%. If you need someone and that ceramist is you know great at what they do, you pay them more than the average or the rent that we pay in Beverly Hills is it's just night and day with the rent that we pay in Bell Gardens. So everything kind of is, is different and uh, the technology that we invest in our cosmetic office and the loan that we have. So it's, it's, it's definitely two different, you know, apples and oranges.
1: Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. So you guys were doing aesthetic dentistry in your nine locations for a while though, right?
2: Absolutely. And we also had a practice, not as fancy as our apple aesthetic location but we prior to that we owned this location that was almost the same business model that was it was a cosmetically driven practice but within that practice we were doing general dentistry and we were still accepting some insurances etc so uh, we were familiar with the model and we knew what it meant and what kind of dedication and you know what what logistic behind but once we actually join Dr. Appa and his organization, um, you know, there's it just, it's a different ball game and different ways of looking at the business, let's call it.
1: So what would you say to a dentist who, maybe they're getting bored of the basic procedures and they really like to get into the more aesthetic stuff like you're, you're, you're talking about just because it, it interests them more, but obviously it, it's a revenue opportunity. What would you caution them with and what would you encourage them with?
2: You know dr ben is a, our clinical leader so i'll let him kind of start
0: with that in aesthetic dentistry
1: so what advice or wisdom would you give to a dentist who would like to expand more into aesthetic dentistry because they're they're either intrigued by it or well they want the revenue from it and they're versus just the traditional you know crowns and cleanings and cavities and etc
0: well When you were discussing what's the difference between having running an aesthetic office and running a general practice, if we were to run a general practice, for example, we were to buy a practice today, we know exactly what the next year is going to look like because we know exactly what model marketing we're going to do. We know exactly what kind of material we're going to put in there. We know that the kind of experienced dentists we can put in, the manager, everything, all the training and everything like that. When it comes to aesthetic dentistry, the difference with that is that you have to build a reputation. You can't just come out and just market yourself into it and be able to see the kind of growth that you expect to be able to see in a predictable way with the other practices. And and if I have to advise people on you know, especially we have a lot of younger dentists that come to us and they want to be aesthetic dentists and all that stuff. And what I tell them first is I'm like, you have to know how to be a good dentist. You have to be a good general dentist to become a good aesthetic dentist, because otherwise, if you have no idea what you're doing as far as general dentistry, then everything you do is going to fail and your reputation is going to go down the drain within a year. Or so, and as an aesthetic dentist, your reputation is everything so that's the first thing. And then when it comes to the, when it comes to being a good aesthetic dentist, I think you just have to do a lot of it, you know, just like everything else, you're probably your first few cases are probably going to be terrible. But if you have a good team, you have to use a great lab, you can't use a bad lab and, you know, cheap out on your materials and and the lab and everything and think that you're going to get great outcomes out of it, you know, and be like, Oh, I'll figure it out later. You have to have a good team around you. Take a lot of courses, take a lot of photography courses, find a mentor, which is really important for us. I think the way we've been able to grow just being around Dr. Athla and his team, uh, you know, we've been out for a while. We're not exactly newbies here, but, you know, being around people that do it on a day in and day out basis we've been able to grow exponentially the last couple of years. So if there's any advice that just make sure that you're not, if you're going the aesthetic way, you can't half-ass it. You have to go all the way and you'll succeed. If you think that you're going to be able to become a part-time aesthetic dentist, then it's going to be really tough for you to be able to establish yourself.
1: So that, that's a good point. So just to clarify, so if I'm running a general practice, you don't recommend just adding aesthetics to my general practice. You got to go in all in aesthetics, basically what you're saying. Well,
0: I think you can. I think most general mm-hmm. dentists probably do work in the aesthetic area as well. But, you know, what I feel like is like you can't be really good at something you do sometimes. Right. right? So it's um, if that's your goal is to become a known as an aesthetic dentist, you have to go all in. But if your goal is to do, you know, aesthetic dentistry sometimes and just be a practitioner, just a general practitioner that does general, I mean, aesthetic dentistry sometimes, then then that's okay. But you're never going to be known, you know, that's why we get a lot of people coming to us who are like, oh, well, I just got all my cavities fixed. Now I'm here to fix my aesthetics. And that happens all the time where, you know, they, they see their general dentist And then they come to us, we fix their teeth, and then they probably go back to a pissed off general dentist that goes, oh, I could have done that for you, you (laughs) when they couldn't. Well,
1: let's kind of pivot back to the general side. Talk about your growth from your first practice of one to nine. What was that process like? Was this intentional? Was this kind of like accidental? Did it fall in your lap? Or did you say, did you start out? And did you start out as associates somewhere? And did you guys always have a vision of building this out to however big it
0: is now? We always have the vision of building it out. You know, I think when I'll let you continue after this, I'll tell the story of how we started the whole thing is we both worked for associate, We were both associates at big corporations. And one day I was just super frustrated. You know, I was working my butt off. And at the end of the day, I was looking at my paycheck and I'm like, this does not equate to, you know, the kind of effort I'm putting in. And so I, you know, I couldn't control any aspect of what I was doing. All, all of the people they hired were terrible. And I told Pasha. And so I had dinner with him and I'm like, listen, I can't really afford to open a practice on my own. I knew at the time he was in the same boat as I was. And I was like, let's open something together and then let's start growing it. And then Pasha was Obviously, he, he was really, he actually got partnership offers at a big corporation and he turned it down and we ended up partnering up. Pasha? Yeah, I mean, to
2: look back, it's crazy what we did and how we did it. You know, first of all, we were out of school right around recession. So 2007, uh, eight. So times were tough. I think Ben mentioned not having mentors. You come out of dental school and you think you got it all figured out. And okay, now I'm a dentist. Uh, You know, I, I know it all. I like aesthetics, but I don't have any idea how to do it. So we both had to kind of move out of LA a little bit driving wise. Like he was practicing hour and a half. What is that? Southeast. I was practicing hour and a half Northwest and we were working for these bigger corporations. So, our mentors in reality were corporation style dentistry and not that they're doing bad work is as Ben mentioned, we start losing our identity and we were just kind of going to work as, as you mentioned and uh, just getting a paycheck. And um, so when the time came and neither one of us were motivated enough to continue that path, we decided to partner up and uh, open our first practice. We had no idea how to run a dental practice. We had no idea how to get patients. There were so many days we kind of sat around and were like, what are we doing? Is this even, you know, like we just didn't know. But um, fast forward a couple of years and that office slowly picked up. We purchased an existing practice that was has a lot of patients, but it was a totally different model, which now that you look back had pros and cons. And at the same time, we started doing a brand new build out in a very good location, which we believed would bring a lot of quality patients. Um, So I think it took us three years just to kind of set these three locations up and we were struggling and not making any money. And I think that's one thing that young dentists need to realize is, Yes, times are a little bit different now with social media and et cetera, But you got to pay your dues. I mean, people look at us right now and like, oh my god, you guys are so you know. How do you do this? And how did you get so lucky? And you only work two days a week. Oh my god! Or you know, I, we worked seven days a week. We sacrificed, not traveled. We we didn't have a whole lot of money, and we you know my credit cards were maxed, and I was we we did everything. To survive, and uh, here we are.
1: Yeah, so it's it's the overnight it's the overnight success, fifteen years in the making.
0: Yeah, exactly, one hundred percent. We've had a lot of drive homes where we're talking to each other, and this is I'm. It's not just in the beginning. I'm talking about three years ago, four years ago, where we're still like, it's gonna be all right. <laughs> we're gonna make it.
1: Now, now, would you recommend if a Diddle School grad was saying, "What should I do"? Would you recommend corporate dentistry as the first place to go?
0: Absolutely. I, I think I it gives like it gives you yeah. structure. It's um, you know it's I think like you know they have a lot better structure. They're able to feed you patients without having an emotional bond with them. I think like a lot of times when 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 you go and work for private practices, the private practice the the doctor just wants to be involved in everything, and the corporate practices they they just look at things. Um, less emotionally, and you're able to probably grow a lot faster with those guys, at least in the beginning.
1: So, what do you? What would you say? Like, what's the best piece of advice you could give somebody who's maybe been practicing as an associate somewhere for a couple of years, really wants to start their own practice? What advice would you give them on starting their own practice? I'll do it. <laughs>
0: well, I think any advice I have to give is really think hard about what it is you want to do spend some time really research whatever it is you want to do and then just dive in head first and don't look back because it's no matter what you decide to do it's going to be freaking difficult you're going to have a lot of sleepless nights a lot of doubts but it's just you know there's a lot of different ways of making money there's a lot of different ways of being happy and your path doesn't have to be like everyone else
1: Now, how did you make the transition and when did you make the transition from working in your business, as in seeing patients was the number one thing you did, versus working on your business where you're managing more, running the business more?
2: I think we, as Ben mentioned earlier, A, having my brother as part of our management team, is we were able to kind of split our responsibilities so i kind of transitioned out of the chair a lot quicker than ben so ben was more of our clinical driving production he was placing more implants and um, he started kind of developing our associates and i kind of jumped on the back and worked with our team to make sure our systems are flawless and really drive You know, in the beginning, when you come out of dental school and you hear vision, mission, culture, you're just like, all right, man, whatever. Like, (laughs) I got to make some money. But as you're growing, you start realizing that your vision, mission, culture is what drives your business and drive your people. So I was very big on that end and worked behind the scene with consultants and coaches to allow our team grow all in all and on the same page in one direction. So that kind of helped us transition. So uh Ben was still clinically involved and kind of knew what was going on on the floor and I was more involved in the patient experience and how we're bringing patients in and how we're taking care of them. Well, and I think that combination was worked great.
1: A lot of people struggle with letting go. Whether it's the emotional tie to patients like Ben was talking about earlier, but they struggle with letting go, but I mean, I know the answer to this, but I mean, you would not have been able to, you wouldn't have 10 locations right now if you guys weren't willing and able to step away and manage the business versus just being chair side, correct?
2: Yeah, 100%. And
0: was and it wasn't hard. Also, yeah, not as hard as, <laughs> <not> as, hard <laughs> as you think. Yeah. You know, being with patients could be a little bit taxing. I don't know. Sometimes, you have to have a balance, I think, you know, I think we both enjoy doing dentistry as long as it's the kind of dentistry we like, for example, you know, doing aesthetics where we're actually creating something. But at the same time, we realize that if I, I tend to be in the offices most of the time, but I feel like every time I go in an office and I'm spending a whole day with an associate where I'm not doing dentistry, that means that for the next month, that associate was, is going to be a superstar because Whatever I taught them, all of a sudden, every day they go in, they're able to implement it in which if I had spent that one day performing dentistry, that would have just been it. There would have been no dividends being paid on that one day. So we're finding that, you know, like you said, working on the practice as opposed to working in the practice ends up being a lot more fruitful for us.
1: I mean, that's that's a good example of mentorship whereas maybe you don't make as much money today by doing that but you make a crap ton of money over the next 30 days or longer by doing yeah. that
0: which is again it's a lot of people don't see it that way that's the problem right so when you hear a lot about people who have associates and all they do is they just keep picking from the associates in which you know i'm most of the time i'm like when i do a diagnosis i'm like give it to this guy, feed this guy, feed that person. Because what that means is if I'm not prepping that crowd, I'm able to be in another office. I'm able to do more diagnosis. Yeah, it might not you know, I might have to give away a percentage but at the end of the day, that's, you know we've always thought big and we've thought big from the time we had three ops. <laughs> we've always had the same kind of vision where even when we were struggling to pay the bills. Well, it's, it's
1: an abundance mentality. You're trying to make sure your associates are empowered to do the most they can do obviously they're going to earn more that way versus if you hover over them and take cases from them no one's going to make as much money as they could but it's unfortunately human nature and your model know. won't
2: work right, right. if, if yeah. we were you know yes i mean we have friends of ours that are like what do you mean like your associates doing veneer cases why aren't you guys going isn't that more money for you guys but yes but then i'm taking away that excitement that the other associate has doing a cosmetic case, I'm more than willing to go into that practice, mentor them and teach them what I see and how I do it and hoping they'll do three more of these in the next three months. So yeah, it, it's a giver. It's there's, there's giving and taking, but we're, we're really trying to empower our team and our
0: associates to always, you know, and always having the long goal in mind is yeah. not thinking on the short term on anything.
2: Have that autonomy Uh, that you are the doctor, you are going to make the decision and we are here to support and give you the support you need.
1: I think That's great. So as we wrap up here, if each of you, what's one piece of advice you would give uh, to a new dental school grad or or even a a practicing uh, dentist who just wants to grow?
0: I think I was actually thinking about this. And I think the most important thing is invest in yourself and invest in your team. It's invest your time and your money on yourself and your team. That new shiny equipment, all it does is lose value over time. But once you invest in yourself and you invest in your team, your be it your office manager, your associate, your assistant, every day that person gains in value. So if there's any advice that's, you know, all the equipment in the world can't replace what the education that you bring for yourself and for your team can do.
2: Yeah, and I, I'll leave you with you know the reason I think we are successful is our goal is to be the most trusted advisor for our patients. So
1: oh, wow, wow, that's good.
2: We we always like that's our business model. Like if if this is good for my mom, should be good for you as a patient. So that's, that helps us with our quality check and for people that are looking to grow, I think patients understand your intentions and how you are by entering your office. So work on your team, work on your vibe, everything should be patient centered and the money will come. But if these younger associates are looking at every patient as dollars, then you become more, I don't know, it becomes more transactional, which you hate to hear patients like, oh, my dentist, I didn't need this and they did this. Uh, You just have to change mindset when patients are entering your office and when they feel like you care, when they feel like you're listening to them and you're trying to help them, everything else is easy. So that's what I would recommend to all new dentists.
1: That's great. That's great advice. That's great wisdom. Guys, this has been a, a great episode, a great time hearing your story. We could probably go on for a lot longer. At least I could ask you questions for a lot longer. You may not want to answer them, but I could, I, <laughs> I could ask you questions forever. So it's been really, uh, really a pleasure talking to you today. Thanks so much for being on.
2: Hey, thanks for having us. This was really fun and we're looking forward to hearing it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, guys, you've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brennan. We'll see you next week. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen
3: to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com. Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Expiration April 2023.
4: This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664, Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311. 850-562-9075. Eight five zero five six two nine zero seven five. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through PAS member FINRASIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License Number 16139032. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. 2022-132656. Expiration 0224.